Um, Channel 10. <laughs> Today's episode of Channel 10 Podcast is brought to you by Channel10Podcast.com. When you go to Channel10Podcast.com, you can check out our back catalog of great episodes. And you can also help support the show by clicking the store link and purchasing some Channel 10 Podcast merchandise. With that, let's start the show. You used to be like, see you then, Channel 10. And we used to think that people would catch on. You know but if you're not from Queens, <laughs> if you don't got time warner or whatever. Like, well, I didn't know that. Yeah, yo. yo, what up, man? It's a different channel, son. What up, on, man? What up, watch the channel, son. Different plane now, man. It's all good. What up, all good, baby, in every hood, son. What up, yo? CNN. Network Channel 10, it's on again. Street niggas is grown men. Bold face, gather your face. Stay in place, yo. Crime lace, cast more beef than Scarface. CNN Network Channel 10, it's on again. Street niggas is grown men. Bold face, gather your face. Stay in place, yo. Call is now being recorded. Yo, yo. We're back once again, Channel 10 Podcast, channel10podcast.com. Hit us up, channel10podcast at gmail. I am the almighty AR, and I'm alongside... Single Superior. And we haven't hit you with an episode in a minute. There's been a lot going on in between Baltimore and Oklahoma. But uh, how's everything, man? How have you been? I've been good, man. Just trying to, you know... Um, acclimate to the, uh, I guess, the atmosphere of Oklahoma once again for right, what right. the second or third time, and you know, as you know, I'm finishing up a very important semester. So, yeah, well, congratulations, man! You're almost to the finish line, and you, uh, you made it out of Baltimore just in time. That's all I can say. Because right now, it is pure madness with the snow. <laughs> Yeah, man. Now, you know, I've realized that um, I tend to always leave whenever something big happens. Yeah, I mean, this time it's like, I mean, it's the worst snowstorm ever in recorded history. And all the schools are closed. A lot of the lanes are are considered to be passable, meaning it might only be one lane for a two-way street. And it's just, it's really getting old and it's tiring. Like, you know, you got to, like, fight for parking. You know, this is the first year I've ever put out a chair for a parking spot. That's how bad it is. <laughs> really? Yep. I had to do the, I, I had to do the Baltimore tradition. <laughs> Damn. Well, you know. Hold up, you're breaking you're up. really ignorant niggerish. Huh? Breaking up. I can't hear you. I said you're breaking up. Oh, yeah, you're breaking up too. Can you hear me now? A little bit better. Okay. All right, I have, I guess, a pretty niggerish question. What's that? All right. So, based on uh, the amount of travel that you told me that you had to do, uh, the, the, the two hours between, you know, getting your mother and going to the market. Um, and just like the difficulty of getting getting around, period. Mm-hmm. Is it harder to get around in this snowstorm compared to the riots? Huh. Um, I'm going to say yes. The difficult mm-hmm. thing about the riots was the curfew. 
And with the curfew, as the curfew time approached, people just started driving real crazy in the street. Mm. <laughs> so, you know, you just had to just be on extra vigilance. But getting around with the riot wasn't too bad um, if you stayed out of certain areas where there might have been a protest or where there was something going on. So, um, I, I think with the riot, it was more just so, you know, a fear of what might happen with a lot of people versus here. It's like everything is already done. And then now we just have all this white stuff everywhere that we just had to deal with. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a, like, it's kind of, kind of interesting, right? You had the riots to get to kind of deal with the white stuff and now white stuff comes back. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, that might be episode title white stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah, like uh, I remember you know me like leaving Baltimore at the right time. I think the pattern when uh, those crazy electric electrical storms started happening. Oh, oh, you mean um the the Derrico when it was like a hurricane that came from the middle of the country over the mountains and just knocked everything out for a week. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I didn't know that it was a like an, in like a scientific name for him. I just remember when you texted me like, "Yo," like <laughs> I was, I think I was coming out like something and like, "Yo, shit is crazy right now." I'm, I'm thinking you were like talking about. You know something going on with family members, and you were talking about electrical storms, and I just I still didn't understand it until I finally came back, and I saw you know, um, the mayor you know be, you know making national headlines and just being on the news talking about these electric storms, and she was I thought she was a scientist at first talking about the Derrico and and what happens and how it affects wires and shit. Yeah, I mean it was it was crazy because it was so unexpected. And it just, I mean, you know, we just thought it was just going to be a regular storm, but it was just trees down everywhere, blocking um, streets. There were, like, long lines at McDonald's. I mean, it really looked like a, po- a, a post-apocalyptic reality. And it just made me think, like, man, we got to be ready, like, on some Alex Jones type <laughs> <laughs> You know, stock up the uh, the bunker and get ready for the impending doom. Yeah, I mean, um, and you you went out. You were without power for what three three days? No, I was out of power for a little over seven days. Oh my god! Oh man, that's crazy. Yeah, and like the whole like whole areas were out of power for a long time. So like in the beginning, I had to drive out to Ellicott City to get. To, to charge my phone. You couldn't like, charge your phone in your car? After a while? Nah, because remember my... <laughs> my uh, car charger thing didn't work. So... Oh. And then the power was out everywhere. So I just had to drive real far until I could find somewhere that had power. And then all the gas stations, they couldn't pump gas. So I had to, like, find somewhere to pump gas. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Like it was, it was a mess. You know, yeah. you can't, you can't, you can't stop nature. I mean, you can't, man. And you know, I wonder. Um, you know, since we're so used to electricity, and as you know, I had that uh, that issue when I came back of, of all times. 
when the uh, when our circuit breaker uh, pretty much caught on fire. Oh um, yeah. And you know we were out, we were without power for about twenty hours, and you know there's all like all of, like the weird things that you think about you know that you can do to to you know to get around it and stuff like that. And I wonder you know since you know studies have shown that you know our brains are have been, have changed of course because of computers and everything, this whole entire digital age, I wonder if there's some type of effect that, a positive effect that our brains get when we are without power and it forces us to become more creative. Yeah, I do think there's something to that. Uh, also, it's interesting, like, you know, I, I guess you could consider us to be kind of domesticated humans. And they say with certain animals that haven't been as domesticated over, like, thousands and you know eons and all of that like that many years like let's say mm -hmm. you have a domesticated cat a domesticated cat can go back into the wild and turn back into like a wild cat in a pretty uh, short span of time and then also in that time they um, uh, they change physically uh, depending on their environment and I think it's the same thing with dogs as well and like wolves like, if you get a wolf and, like, try to domesticate it, I think they were saying, like, their ears become floppy and stuff like that. So, you know, maybe yeah. if we had to, um, a city slickers with no type of survival training or anything like that, you know, you know, we might turn into Rambo or something. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it uh, needed. That's interesting. Well, I guess lucky for me, you know, I have my, uh, my wilderness survival merit badge. Yep, yep. So, Always got that in my in my rifle merit badge. Yeah, and I watched a lot of Walking Dead, so <laughs> yeah, so that's all, that's all we need, right? <laughs> but um, man, I'm just looking online. You know, before we got on the show, just switch gears a little bit. Man, it's a crazy night in hip hop right now. Okay. So right now, Drake just dropped the song. You know, dropping little disses to uh. To Meek Mill and Tory Lanez, and he dropped it on his OVO Sound Radio Show on Beats One, and that's you know pretty interesting. He's taking over the trending topics right now, and then Nas, uh, Drake on his radio show dropped a, a, a Nas verse over Future's trap classic March Madness, <laughs> and you know Nas is killing it, and it kind of reminds me of back in the day, like. The shock and surprise when um, he was on that Braveheart song, Quick to Back Down with Lil Jon. Mm hmm Yeah. And, like, you know, how even, like, a hardcore hip-hop head, you know, when you heard Nas on there, it still sounded good. And you, like, had no, you know, even the most anti-Lil Jon type person was like, all right, that joint is kind of all right. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I guess this, I mean, this kind of makes sense. Uh, no, it's jumping on the March Madness uh, beat because they have the same manager, Future and yeah. Nas. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's interesting to see what Nas is going to do in the years coming up because it seems like he just always finds some type of way to rejuvenate himself in some weird type of way. Like yeah, He does. I mean, first, you know, it could be considered gimmicky with the hip-hop is dead and the uh, nigger album. And then, you know, he had this whole situation with Khalees, and then he went and dropped the album with Damian Marley that nobody ever really mentions, but I still think it's dope. And then he dropped uh, 
what was he? Life is good after that. And then he had the whole Illmatic 20-year anniversary where he pretty much just took over the whole year with 20-year-old songs. <laughs> <laughs> and documentary, and then, you know, he's invested in Bevel and all these other different types of companies, and, you know, now he's back hopping on these trap beats. I mean, yeah. I mean, you know, speaking of Bevel real quick, um, you know, I heard about this trimmer they're coming out with, and so I went to the website and checked it out. Oh, that thing looks dope. It it does look dope. Um, I don't know. I'm thinking about possibly getting it. And, of course, Nas is all throughout with, with those weird promotional videos all throughout the website. I didn't even see those. But, you know, Nas keeps a fresh shape up. So, you know. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, apparently they, um, they, uh, they, uh, I think they, they mentioned, like, Nas' master barber on there, how he always uses it as <laughs> As if, you know, it's been around for like five years. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's crazy is Bevel is less than two years old. I know, it doesn't It doesn't feel that way, though. Yeah, it feels like it's just such a part, at least for me, it feels like it's been such a part of my life for so long. And it's funny, we're talking about it like this, and they're not even a sponsor, but um, I do need to go on their website and get their promo code so I can start blasting that out and getting some discounts. But um, definitely shout out to Bevel. And uh, I got to get my hands on that tremor. We got to reach out to Tristan and see what they can do for, you know, a little small podcast like ours. Just trying to do big things in the world. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know. I, I, I mean, they have all the big hip-hop podcasts on lock. I, I think yeah, Joe, I think Joe Budden now has them now. So yeah. I guess we'll see. Yeah, we'll see what we can do. But shout out to Bevel and Nas and uh, all of them. Tristan, I'm shouting them out like I know them and stuff. But... Um, <laughs> Well, yeah, another big thing in hip-hop that just happened tonight. Meek Mill just dropped the second part of his 4-4 EP, and I really like the first one, so I'm I'm excited to listen to this new one. You know, I think um, regardless of all of the shenanigans, Meek Mill does put out some good records, and I think, you know, he's improving as a, as a song maker. I, I, you know, I enjoyed his last album, and he was... He had a pretty good two-week run until he uh, came up against Drake. But um, I think actually dropping quality music is a good step in the right direction to reviving his his career. I mean, I, yeah, well, I have yet to, to listen to the first EP. And I was, uh, actually, I was talking to myself, I think, yesterday about how I need to listen to it. Hmm. But, um, I don't know, it's just so crazy how he kind of, in so many words fell off after you know having that good output 200,000 the first week and everything like that um but I don't I don't I don't I don't I don't, I don't, I don't understand a meat mill sometimes man I don't really understand why he's beefing with everybody in the world and especially that that whole shit with 50 cent oh man yeah I mean you know meat I guess he considers himself as the as the only voice of the streets right now on that level, and I guess he felt like by exposing Drake's ghostwriting that people would rally behind him and it would take Drake down. And you know, he I guess he considers people like Drake to be corny, and you know the real is gonna you know survive to the end. But you know we'll see. You know I don't really think Drake. Um, puts him out there, uh, uh, puts himself out there too much as something that he's not, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, and then 
then another thing with Drake is, you know, he's he's kind of doing what 50 Cent used to do. Like, 50 Cent had the G-Unit radio, had the mixtapes, had the artists, had the diss tracks. Like, now Drake is just dropping stuff on OVO Sound Radio. He got the clothes. Like, he's really kind of following a, a, a early 2000s unit blueprint with what he's kind of doing. I mean, yeah, you are, I mean, but it, it's it's the same blueprint that's been around for I don't know how long. You go from Drake to G-Unit to Eminem when he tried to do it but didn't work out for him. You know, all the way back to Wu-Tang. Yeah. Um, but... Yeah, I mean, I, I would say that, you know, arguably, he could probably say that ASAP Rocky is pretty close to Meek Mill's level at this point. ASAP Rocky? I mean, ASAP Rocky is just an interesting dude because he's kind of not on the scene like that, but he, he's, he's like, kind of put himself into that fashion world to where, you know, I think he's cultivated a unique, type of fan base that isn't necessarily hip-hop and then his last album had that kind of psychedelic type of sound to it to where you know i feel like he's kind of branched off and it's and it's working for him i think like like i heard a couple new tracks from him that are pretty dope and um i don't know meek versus asap who's the bigger i guess you know meek is more in your face but asap is kind of up there I mean, yeah, and I was I was kind of surprised, you know, to see ASAP really uh, do that. But I mean, it, I, I guess that you know the the way Drake is kind of taken from Fifty and like these weird blueprints, ASAP arguably you know took from the Kanye's of the world and how he, um, I guess, diversified his persona. Yeah, and the thing about ASAP is he did it early, like yeah. like he I think he just saw what the wave was and just you know, hopped on it, no pun intended. And it, uh, and it worked for him. Yeah, well, speaking of Waves, uh, what do you think about uh, that Wave song that uh, Max B came out with? I actually haven't had a chance to listen to it, I'm sorry to say. <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, he, he hasn't lost his stuff, I, I must admit. Hmm. I like the uh, course more than anything, but it's a pretty good song, and, you know, he's coming out with that documentary... <laughs> Uh, um, you know, on the same uh, day as Kanye's album, is he recording over the jail phone? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think listening to that song is gonna make me sad. So I gotta, I gotta get into the zone to to listen to it because, you know, there was a time when we just knew Max B was gonna beat the case. And we knew that he was just going to ascend into hip-hop royalty. Because, you know, a lot of times rappers beat cases or, you know, he might just get off of probation or something like that. I mean, they gave this man, like, a million years. Yeah. And it's like to the point where, you know, it's like the only person who can save the day is Obama. <laughs> I mean... Or, or Chris Christie, but, you know, what's the chances of that happening? I mean, well, he's, I mean, well, Max B has surprisingly stayed rather relevant, and a lot of it is just based around the fascination of whether he's going, he's going to get an appeal or not. Yeah, yeah, and I think, I think, I think this whole thing with Kanye is, it, 
has been a smart marketing move to keep his name, you know, hot out in the streets. I mean, yeah, and you still have, you know, French Montana, you know, being a champion for him and everything, like, everything like that. So, is he really? Um, I mean, I, I mean, well, you know, in the 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 first, you know, several years. Hello. Oh man. Yeah, Senga's uh, connection is pretty bad. Looks like we're going to have to do something about this if he doesn't come back shortly. But um, we're going to take a quick break. Keep it locked. Channel10podcast.com. Hit us up. Twitter, SoundCloud, iTunes, yep. Stitcher, and all that. And we'll be right back. Peace. Make sure you rate, subscribe, and comment on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. That way, our podcast gets higher in the rankings and we can gain a bigger audience, bring you bigger guests, and keep giving you this great content that we do week after week. With that, let's get into the show. Um, Channel 10. <laughs> Call is now being recorded. Okay, after the technical difficulties, we are back. Senkar Superior is back in the building. So, uh, yep. we were just talking about Bigger Valley. Yeah. And um, um, what were we saying about French Montana's uh, support of him throughout the years? Oh, yeah. Um, you know, I would say... I would say after... Um, the first like couple of years, he was pretty good about it. But then, you know, when he started latching on to other people, then it kind of like wore off. And then, you know, when you know he started messing with uh, that Kardashian, it was a wreck. <laughs> um, but you know, I guess in his defense, at least based on um, well, he was on the Rap Radar podcast, right? I think yeah, he was. Yeah. Um, yeah, and even like on his on his you know Breakfast Club interviews, he still bigs him up and everything like that. And you know, at least what based on what he's saying, he still supports him. Yeah, and he did say, and you know, he did have have Max on his um on the intro to his album, and then he did say that you know that type of stuff kind of depresses him because there was a whole controversy about him not bigging up Chinks enough, and um, he was like, you know. It's a it's a touchy subject for him, so you know that's his way of grieving, and don't necessarily you know fault him for that. So I do kind of see where he's coming from. I mean, yeah, that's true. Um, and I guess going back to Max B real quick, um, Coke Wave Two came out after um his incarceration, right? I don't think so, and that uh, come out like shortly before. God, it was it was so terribly mixed. That was one of the worst mixtapes, like in regards to you know just how it was mixed or whatever, or, just, or I guess not mixed at all. And I thought Gucci Man's mixtapes were worse, man. But nah, but um, you know, but also like going back to like, I guess like like you know these um these these jail these incarcerated freestyles. Mm-hmm. I think that should be a, I think that should be a genre actually. <laughs> a genre of hip hop, a subgenre of hip hop, based around you know freestyles from jail, because I'm sure that there is a specific way you got to do it, and you know, um, especially when it comes to private mixing, it also I would say, and 
I'm like mixing wise, nothing compares to Prodigy's um, mixtape. I mean, uh, you know, song from while he was incarcerated. Yeah, yeah, he it had was, the ad libs and everything over the phone. Yeah, over the phone. It was a six, like a six to seven minute song, but like his, he was like, it was really clear. I mean, you could tell that he was, you know, over the phone. But you know, nowadays since you know hip hop has become more psychedelic, you probably just would have thought. You know, if they if they didn't tell you that it was just him on some you know shrooms or something or mollies, <laughs> and he just wanted his voice to sound that way. Yeah, yeah, that was yeah. Uh, that was one of the classic jail free. I got I gotta find that one again. Is I mean, I think I, I think I have it on my hard drive somewhere. But um, oh, it's so weird, like how uh, when a song first comes out and then it's just like deteriorates over time. Because I think I've seen that like on two different Mob Deep mixtapes that were I think like authorized mixtapes, and they, it sounds like shit compared to the original um, version of it. Yeah, I mean, usually you know a lot of times these mixtape DJs they just kind of throw stuff in there, and like the mastering of it is horrible, and their ad libs like if you actually look at the waveform, the ad libs are so much louder than the actual mixtape. <laughs> so it's like you know you'll be playing a song and then you have to. It's so not compressed, you have to turn it up to hear the song, and then the ad lib just comes through all loud and crazy. I'm not the yeah. ad lib, but you know how they uh, do their little shout outs over everything. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I guess going going to uh, to Future's latest mixtape, you know. Um, well, mixtapes nowadays, they're really albums, and if anything, I feel like Future is kind of a uh, really push that whole concept that a mixtape is pretty much nothing more than an album. But, like, even on his Purple Rain mixtape, he has, like, really... I mean, sometimes like, I can't even, like, notice him. I forget that they're, like, even DJ drops. I mean, they fit in so well that there was one Drake DJ drop that they were using. Oh, yeah, um, for Metro. Yeah, and, you know, people were upset because they thought Drake was about to drop a verse. Actually, I, I thought so too, but um, but isn't I, I, isn't that like from uh, like one of his vocals off of um, "What a Time to Be Alive"? Yeah, I believe so. I mean, but yeah, but like, so you have that, and then you have um, um, you know, Future saying if um, if Metro don't trust you, I'ma shoot you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I think that I think I don't know I think like the way. His mixtapes are formatted, may become like like the norm. Like instead of like the DJ saying things, the artist will actually just do like the like do the tagging, and so it, it just it all fits. Yeah, I mean, I think it's dope the way they they put it together. Like, but like even on those uh, on those Drake tags, you can kind of tell how it's like a little off beat when you re-listen to it. So mm -hmm. you can kind of tell that it is a drop, because like I think I do think it's important for a drop to sound like a drop sometimes because like sometimes on that mixtape some of the drops don't sound like drops and you have to listen to the song a couple of times to be oh that was a dj putting that in there and it's kind of cool that it blends with the song so well but then at the same time it's like you know i need this to sound like a drop so i can delineate between the song and you know the drop yeah and that's it and it's also important for the dj so you know the people can know what dj it is yeah. But I've always wondered, you know, like for the casual music listener, are they really listening to like the DJ drops? I think a lot of times they're getting annoyed by them if they don't musically fit with the song. 
I mean, yeah, but like, uh, I just put it this way. I mean, I guess Atlanta is a bit different, but you know, if you're someone in Tennessee mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and you love rap music, you listen to nothing but the Gangster Grill series, of course, you know, that's a bit different, but do you know, like, DJ Scream, DJ, uh, see, I can't even think of any other DJs. Well, I'll take it to the kids. Like, the kids know DJ drops. They do? Like, yeah. Hmm. Like, they be like, DJ Scream. Like, you know, they know right, the so drops. They know DJ Scream, but, like, what about producer drops? Like, Mike Will made it or something like that. It probably do too, cause it's such like like it's so ingrained in the song. It's like a jingle. Like you might not even know what it is, but if you hear it enough, you know you'll start singing it to yourself. Like, I mean, yeah, like actually, little beats holla at me. I mean, actually, you know, like uh, I mean, the uh, the whole Metro don't trust you. I'm gonna shoot you. Sometimes that rings in the back of my head. Yeah, me too. <laughs> but and I don't I don't know what that says about my character, but. <laughs> But at the same time, I mean, it's really because, uh, did you ever uh, look at the, um, that whole feature documentary before, um, Honest came out? What was it after? You're talking about the one Elliot did? Yeah, I think, I think that was for Honest, right? Uh, was it? It might have been, but no, I didn't see that yet. Okay, well, he was, um, like, he was, Future was talking about how he approaches, like, his songs and, like, whatever, and melodies, and he wants everything to sound like a nursery rhyme. Mm. And so, the whole Metro don't trust you, I'm gonna shoot you, he's kind of, like, saying it, but, he's, but, like, I guess, like, the 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 way he says it kind of makes it catchy. And then, like, and then how, how they place it over, like, the intro of a beat. Yeah. yeah. I don't know, it's pretty interesting. I mean, it's smart. I mean, you know, drops have come a long way from just Blaze. <laughs> yeah, and apparently that was that was birthed from what Joe Joe Button, the way he would say just Blaze, and just Blaze was trying to emulate the way Joe Button said just Blaze. Yeah, but I mean, Cameron was the first one that'd be like just Blaze in the beginning of the track on our old boy. All right, so so is the just Blaze tag? Is that from Cameron, or was that just Blaze? I think that's just Blaze, but it was—I think it was Cameron that gave him the idea to do it. Oh, you know, I was—I've been thinking lately too um, about, you know, when you're like a really big hip hop artist, like a Drake or a Jay Z or whatever, or Future at this point, and like the amount of infrastructure that's involved in like keeping everything secret. And, you know, just keeping everything, like, intact. You know, like, all of, like, your, all of your files, your, the beats, vocals for different things and everything like that. And I always wonder, like, how that, how does that exactly work? Like, you know, with, you know, with, like, Jay-Z, he has a guru. And, like, and I guess to a certain point, Just Blaze, because apparently Just Blaze has, like, a lot of Jay-Z shit that no one's ever heard. Yeah. Um, and then you have Drake and 40, and I guess Future and Esco. But... I just only I can only imagine like how difficult it probably is to like keep these kinds of things like in text when you have a whole bunch of people around and you got to make sure that they they play their positions and everything like that. Yeah, I mean, I guess it depends on who you're working with. Like, you know, it's probably a difference with Future when he's working like straight with with um with uh, what's his name uh, uh, Metro Boomin. 
it's probably like a different process that they have versus when he's working with Mike Will made it versus when he just when DJ Esco is, you know, handling everything. Or like, you know, Jay Z might have his thing with Guru. Then if Diddy's executive producing it, it's probably a different type of structure versus, you know, a different type of structure than when he's dealing with Kanye. So and see, that's the thing, like, and I, I've been trying to figure out, like, who controls Kanye's stuff? Probably Mike Dean. Uh, huh. Mike Dean oh. is crazy, man. Like, um, you heard that song that he did on a Freddie Gibbs album? Uh, no, but I think I remember you telling me about it. Yeah, yeah, because Freddie Gibbs was talking about that on the podcast. Like, it's crazy how how some people, like a Mike Dean, or even like a Just Blaze, that work with the top artists, and then just randomly some kind of undergroundish type dude. Mm-hmm. Like Mike Dean and Freddie Gibbs, that don't even sound right. Like, you know, when I think of Mike Dean, I think of all the, those elaborate Kanye productions. Yeah. Well, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's. I don't know. I just imagine, you know, holding these signs, these kinds of things is really difficult yeah. and stressful. Yeah. I mean, like, who, who holds did I mean, Diddy stuff? I mean, it's probably it's probably all managed by the studio. But then, you know, studios closed down. I mean, look at you know D and D, how how that closed down. Yeah, I mean, but now he's moved over to headquarters, so I guess it's just. I'm just moving all your files and all your hard drives and all your archives. Yeah, that, that's true. But then, all right. But then, I mean, then I guess you know, if you depending, I guess it also depends on, um, you know, like the deal that you have with your label too. You yeah. know, if the label owns the masters, then I guess the label has to have it anyway. And like, uh, for example, like, um, you know, like all those um, unreleased uh, Mob Deep joints for off the infamous that that, uh, that was on the second CD for their latest album. Yeah. And how uh, who was it? Um, I think was it Stretch or Bob? I think Stretch. He um he found he found like the masters to the infamous on like on the floor some in some records there some record label. Yeah. I mean, yes. I, I mean, a lot of stuff is probably just haphazardly wherever too. Cause you gotta think you got a bunch of people who are drunk and high just recording some stuff. And, you know, you might run out of space or tape or whatever. I mean, just think about how we manage our files sometimes. <laughs> man, don't, don't remind me, man. I have about eight, eight years of work that I don't have and just down the drain. Yeah. Um, actually, speaking of that, I have files that I've, I've, been talk, I've been trying to talk myself into, like, archiving yet. I just haven't gotten around to it yet. <laughs> Yeah, I need so, to um, I need to do that. Back up all my stuff on a couple of different clouds and get my hard drives in order. It's just a process. Hold on. So I, I I thought you were against like backing your files up on clouds. I mean, I, as a sole backup, yeah. But I do think it's important to back it up on all different types of stuff. Because, I mean, the main way that, that you back something up would be to, you know, burn it to a CD or a DVD and put it in a, um in an airtight safe. <laughs> and and you have to put it in two different safes in two different parts of the world so that if a natural disaster hits one, then you still have the other one. That's the only way something is, like, truly backed up. 
And who does that, though? That's the question. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I imagine a lot of, like, businesses do it for their, you know, very important records. But, you know, I'm sure, you know, just burning it and keeping it in some type of archive or, you know, backing it up to cloud and also some hard drives. I guess maybe a solid state drive would be good now since there's no uh, moving parts. I'm not exactly sure how that could be erased. I guess it would take an EMP or something. Mm. Yeah, well, I don't know, man. Well, I guess, uh, uh, yeah, I assume that rappers don't really exactly think about this anyway. Like, I know, like, when um, when Jay-Z did that whole Q&A on Twitter, and, like, someone asked him about Dead Presidents, like, Dead Presidents 3 or whatever it was, and he said that he thinks Guru or Just Blaze has it, and he said, you know, if they want to drop it, they can. Mm. But he didn't seem like he cared that much. <laughs> I mean, when you're making that much money, like, who really cares? Like, you know, certain artists, they got to hold on to, you know, their hidden gems to the right time and to they're in the right position to drop it to, you know, make something of themselves. But, you know, other people don't. So. I feel like Nose kind of does that. Yeah, it does in a way. Like, everybody's waiting for this Lost Tapes, too. I mean, yeah, that, and um, remember, it was kind of a big thing when um, uh, the, uh, that Deja Vu joint came out off of the, uh, the A-Dot. Yeah. yeah that, was, that was pretty dope. I still listen to that sometimes. Yeah, and you know what's interesting, too, is now, um, you know, like that, uh, that, that, uh, that little Wayne thing that came out. The uh, the remastered version of some song that was on, like, the first dedication, I think. Oh, yeah, I saw something about that. Yeah, and so apparently whoever did it, he decided to remix it, and he, he just dropped it. And um, I think the guy, whoever it was at Two Dope Boys, he was talking about how happy he was, like, to get it. And it's been, like, ten years in the making. And so it's kind of, it's crazy that, I don't know, I think that, I think that kind of exemplifies Lil Wayne's uh, space and hip hop music at this point when you have something off of, off of a mixtape that was remastered and people want so yeah I mean you know his whole catalog you know consists of mostly mixtapes so and like you know some of those iconic records that people think of when they think of Little Wayne are actually freestyles so, like, over, over other people's beats, I think he's one of the few people, or he's probably, like, one of the last people who was able to pull that off. Because, like, when you think about people back in the day, you think about, like, Lloyd Banks over the victory beat. Or, like, um, I'm trying to think of, or, like, uh, what's his name? Uh, Beanie, uh, who was it? Uh, Beanie Siegel over the Jada Kiss beat. And, like, you know, things like that. But now... You know, if somebody raps on someone else's beat, it's just completely forgotten about. But is that a good thing or a bad thing, though? I mean, I think I think it just got oversaturated with everybody rapping on whatever beat is hot. I mean, but, well, I mean, well, 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 I mean, like you know, just like being being more known for your freestyles over other people's beats rather than your own songs. I mean, I think it's cool. Like, I think. I think it's kind of cool and it's a and it's an accomplishment 
like when I think of swag surfing, you know, I think of Lil Wayne's freestyle on it, and that's the one. If they ever play that song on the radio, they play Lil Wayne's swag surfing. Hmm. You know, or like G Unit when they did um when they redid the Chingy joint. Um, and they played that on the radio. G Unit in this bitch, right, 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 right there, like. <laughs> You know, speaking of Cheney, did I tell you that um, I saw the commercial for him being at that strip club on Baltimore Street on TV? No, you did not tell me that. Yeah, man, like two in the morning, it came on, like you can come and see Cheney perform his his hits. Uh, I mean, more power to him, at least he has some hits to perform, you know, he's still getting it. I mean, he sold a lot of, I mean, his first album, I think, went triple platinum. That was the good old days. <laughs> oh yeah, well yeah, you know, I, see, that's the like. Sometimes I think like if you think of some of these people who actually sold records, I can only help but imagine that it was it was just like people just buying shit for the sake of buying it. Yeah. I mean, this was in the days when what um, Q-Tips, uh, his second his second album Amplified, it debuted. Little, it was like number nine on the charts, but it, but he sold like ninety thousand the first week crazy i mean back in the day you had to buy an album to hear it i mean yeah but still i mean but like i think were there, um, were, were there that many people that really wanted to watch listen to chingy shit yeah i mean all those huge singles that he had right there holiday in that was the second album though uh oh yeah the, the joint with tyrese the only songs I can think of right now are, are Shake It What You Got For a Pork Chop. That's right there. <laughs> oh. One, oh. Okay, yeah, One Call Away. Yeah, oh. right right there, Holiday Inn. This is all off Jackpot. Pushing Me Back, Them Jeans. I forgot about Them, je them Jeans. Yeah, something off Too Fast, Too Furious. That was in 2003. Man, Fast and Furious is old. Is a pretty old franchise at this point. I've never seen one. I thought you saw the first one. Nope. <laughs> yeah, well, I've seen the first, the second, and I saw what Fast and Furious Six when I was, uh, I think I was on a date or something, and I felt, I fell asleep. Yeah, I fell asleep. I slept through the whole movie. Mm. Wasn't a good look, but still. <sighs> Speaking of people going platinum, you see uh, Rihanna went platinum in less than two days. Well, yeah, I, that was bound to happen though, and I don't, and I'm pretty sure that whole leak situation it wasn't by accident. Yeah, have you uh, listened to the album, Any? Um, no, I mean actually, I, I was saying, oh well, I have I have access to the title thank, thanks to you, so I figured I should probably just go ahead and listen to it, but I haven't yet. Uh, I'm just not interested. I looked at like the track list, and I'm like, eh. And that intro is dope, like with SZA, and like like just the way the beat is, it's it's like so hip hop. <laughs> oh yeah, I I was shocked that SZA was even on it. Yeah, I mean SZA does a lot of writing, I believe, and then the song with Drake is pretty cool, and then the song right after it, you can listen to it and just hear that Drake wrote it. <laughs> you know, the thing is too though that I saw something that apparently views from the sixes fruit. Mm, Shit. Views from the six is supposed to come out what in April. Yeah, I don't see that happening. I, th I think that's a lie because 
he automatically just comes up, pops up on a song with Rihanna, then her album drops. There's no way he's not going to use this. And then he's he has this whole thing with the radio show, and he drops some more songs. I mean, I, th- I think it is, because originally it was supposed to come out in February, but I think he's giving Kanye his lane. Like, I think Kanye might have made him push it back, because at first the speculation was that Drake and Kanye were going to drop real close to each other, but now Drake pushed his date back, so... Well, he, he doesn't want to do that now, because J. Cole smoked his ass, what, two two years ago now, or three years ago. Yeah, that's true, but I mean, look at the type of album it was, you know, now Kanye got real friends playing on the radio. Oh, it's playing on the radio? Yeah, I heard it on 92Q earlier. What? Oh, I'm shocked. Well, um, you know, speaking of Kanye, as uh, you know, I, I was working on, on our on um, on our piece about him. Mm-hmm. Um, I figured that you know the I said the proper way to, to edit this is to listen to Jesus. Mm-hmm. So once again, thanks to you, I had to have access <laughs> to title. <laughs> so I went ahead and listened to it, and you know, like um, I have a different view of it now. I think mm-hmm. I think for the most part, I like it. I, th- I think I was still. I think overall, I would give it four mics, but I think Rick Rubin could have cut out like a lot of the shit when he's just like singing at the end on, like, on a lot of those songs, oh. especially um, uh, skinheads. Yeah. Like there's, there's no way, but I but I think I think I get the point. It's like the light at the end of the tunnel because then he ends with bound to. But. I don't know, man. It's just the only the only annoyance about that album is that it's supposed to be so refreshing and new, but he's not doing anything that a whole bunch of these underground niggas have been doing for I don't know how many years that I've been listening to. I mean, it sounds way crispier. <laughs> well, that it does. Yeah, I've never listened to an industrial type of album like that, and it's been so like so crispy. You know the. The distortion doesn't really, you know, burn like the hairs from your ear, <laughs> the hairs from your eardrums, or whatever like that. If you have it up loud enough. Yeah, and then he, um, you know, I think the thing with Kanye is he incorporates all different types of genres. So, you know, it's not necessarily straight industrial or like EDM-ish, but it's like got some reggae, hip hop, of course, traditional hip hop, sample-driven type stuff drill got little chicago savages on there saying they those chicago savageries you know and then you know you know topically he's saying some wild stuff and then he's saying some you know black power politically charged stuff and he's saying some religious type stuff so um i think you know all of that together is what makes it special and then just the presentation of it with you know how he was projecting the video on the screens and you know just you know just everything with it i think i think is what makes it that special i mean well yeah but you know going back to my to my definition i guess which is, which is a rather rigid definition of an album it is still kind of like all over the place you know, he's talking about, you know, black issues, and then, you know, he talks about rich nigga shit, but I guess that that's his point. It's like this rich racism. I mean, I think, I think that, and this is the thing that confuses me about people like Kanye, like, he's supposedly been working on this album for so long, 
But then at the very last minute, before it's about to come out, you see him in the studio with all these people. And then all the songs that came out before aren't on the track list. So really it's like he's making his album in like two weeks. And like he's always up against the deadline about to, you know, miss the deadline because it's not done. And then sometimes even after the album is done, he goes back and changes something. Like even with Jesus, I think the um, iTunes version, he ended up remastering again. So it's different than the, um, than the actual CD version. So it's like, what you been doing all this time? And I think, I think, and this is something I've been thinking about for some time. I think what makes an album an album sometimes is, is like the time frame and when it was made. So like when you look at some of these jazz people, you know, like, like a, like a bitch's brew or something like that, like that whole album was probably recorded just in one sitting, just banging it out like that, or like in a short span of time. So even if the subject matter might be a little bit different. It's all cohesive in a sense because it's all done like during this, like, like I'm sitting down and I'm creating this piece of artwork right here. And I'm banging it out and then I'm just putting it out. I mean, I mean, yeah, but like, but I mean, jazz is a different kind of genre. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, it's just different. Like, you know, like the, the way it's made and stuff like that, you know, you may happen to have someone over, you guys jam out something and then it just ends up being an album. I mean, hip hop is like that too. Like, look at Drake and Future. Like, that's kind of how they made their thing. Or like, Styles P and Currency. Or like, um, I don't know. Well, I mean that. Well, that, that's true. But you know, I don't think any of these albums will be ever considered in the upper echelon of popular music ever. Yeah, I mean. But, oh. They're interesting, you know, projects to listen to. I mean, like, um, even like, uh, I'm trying to think of an album. I mean, because like Kanye's albums, they all seem like just massive jam sessions. I mean, like, it's in, you know, that's a, that's a probably and that's probably why I don't I never I don't like any of his albums. <laughs> <laughs> Come to think, because because like all right, because like all right, now you can't say that about hip hop, period. But like even like you know you get like an interview. And people, like, you know, let's say with an old. Hello? Niggas was just in the studio, you know what I'm saying? Had the blunts, the 40s, the women, and, you know, we just made it. But then if you ever go deeper into it, you know, there's something about, you know, what's the name? Like, you know, Bob Powers coming out. He had to come in and, and, and like, master something for like, a specific reason. Or, you know, someone had to go back in and redo their verse because something happened. Or someone decided not to put a song out for whatever reason and they had to go back and do another song. And so even, I think, even in the earlier days of hip-hop, a lot of times, a lot of the albums that we do know of, um, the albums were actually made, you know, they were made, you know, uh, with, you know, certain thoughts. They weren't just, they, they all just weren't jam sessions. Yeah, I mean, but maybe like the core of it, might have started as that and then you go back and retool and add into it and stuff i mean well i mean yeah i mean well well i, I guess we know with, with diddy there was no such thing as no like no weird jam session with diddy we know like biggie he was a, a one song person he would do one song and leave yeah <laughs> um so i mean i don't know but then you know never but who knows maybe another reason why it took so long for albums to be made during that time at least in hip-hop is because you know, people were always incarcerated. 
<laughs> so they had, so they had to wait for people to come back home, like you know, like let's say if, like for um with Thursday's Chambers and you God. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know, man. I mean, I still think 808s is probably his best album overall. Yeah, I mean, at this point, I would have to say Jesus or Late Registration. I used to say Kyler's Dropout, but I think maybe I like Late Registration a little bit more now. Hmm. But um, his new album is going to be really interesting. Now he's saying it's a gospel album, and you got Kirk Franklin and Two Chains in there. And I don't know. I, like one thing that pisses me off about Kanye is looking at the track list. A lot of the songs, like if I'm not mistaken, almost half of them have already been put out or heard in some type of way. I mean, yeah, but I mean, but then, you know, the thing is, like, even, I'm sure, like, Fax is on there, because, like, Fax didn't come up on the track list, but he probably just named it something else. Nah, I mean, I mean, that was, like, a mixed, you talking about the one that he did, um, New Year's? Yeah, I mean, I, I doubt that's, uh, that that's gonna be on there. Well, he needs to, rem he needs to remind the masses who didn't get a chance to hear it that he jumped over Jumpman. Yeah, I mean, maybe, you know, I mean, I mean, maybe it'd be like a bonus track, but, um, I'm trying to see, I'm trying to get a picture of the track list here, um, easy, 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 just jumped over, jump, man, matter of fact, they played it on the radio earlier, right, right after jump, man. Yeah, I know, yeah, um. Some days after it came out, <laughs> 982Q was playing it. Hold on, so... So this man has Act 1, Act 2, and Act 3 for a 10-track album. And then he just mm -hmm. has all these crazy notes on here. Famous, Faith, Strength, In My Hands, Part 1 and 2, Waves, High Weights, 30 Homes... No More Parties in L.A., Fade, FML, Real Was, I don't know, Ultra Light Beam, World Famous. <laughs> I don't know. Just I mean, he's a character. Yeah. But, you know, I... Uh I don't like some like you know after listening to like Jesus for like the first time in, like a long time. It seems it seems like in so many words he kind of has some type of weird money issues for you know I guess for for a rich man. I mean, like you said on the new joint, every everybody got bills that ain't children. I mean, yeah, and then like uh um. And then like, oh yeah. So like, uh, I think like the thing that 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 uh, that that jumped out at me on Yeezus after listening to it again earlier was um, "Blood on the Leaves" in the, the very beginning. And he keeps saying, "I told you to wait," and but he's really talking about money in, in all the different instances. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and he, he he sings, "I don't have the money on me right now." <laughs> and then he goes to this whole story about how he's doing all this other type of shit. And he's doing all this shit, but he doesn't really have the money for it. I mean, they do say his tours lose money. 
Oh, he does. I mean, well, that's a, like well, a lot of tours though. Like I think like YouTube. That remember like that big YouTube tour, like from years some years ago. Yeah. And I think they only like they just broke even. I think they only made like a two dollar profit. It was some kind, some something like really crazy that made headlines about that album, about that tour. Uh. Um. But I mean, I, I don't. I guess his I guess his tours are that elaborate. I have yet to. I, I've never been to one, but. God damn. You gotta be doing a lot of shit to not make any money on tours. <laughs> I mean, look at his tours, though. They made history. So it's like you try to make money, so, you try to make history. Alright, so he's trying to make history. So, alright. And, you know, I, I really don't think he makes a, like, a lot of money off of like his shoes and whatever like that. There's no way he makes a lot because they, they, he doesn't even like, they don't like really mass produced, are they? Um, I think they're getting to that point now that he has the Adidas deal. Okay, but apparently so, his clothing line is doing really bad. Okay. I didn't know I didn't even know he had a clothing line. Yeah, I, didn't, <laughs> I just I just I thought he had know, the shoes. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know he had a clothing line either until I saw something that said that his clothing line is doing really bad. Mm. <laughs> I think right, it's called so, Yeezy Season. Oh that's right, yeah, because um I think Yeezy Season three it's supposed to be coming out. He's supposed to be like they premiering that alongside his album. So all right, so he has all right, so he has all these things that, that most likely don't make him money. He doesn't make money off his tours. Um, the only thing he really makes money off of is probably his music. But how frequently are his songs played on radio? He doesn't really have like you know those types of radio hits that are always played. Maybe outside of Gold Digger. I mean, uh, what you call it? Maybe I'm so self-conscious. Jesus walks. I mean, it was, I don't know, man. Like those Strong, things. Uh, uh, stronger. Uh, I mean, I play them records a lot. Um, uh, uh, put on for my city. Um, well, oh, that was a Jeezy record, wasn't it? Um, <laughs> <laughs> um niggas in Paris. I mean, well, yeah, but then that that becomes more complicated because, of course, you know, Jay-Z wants his cut. So how much is it really getting off of that? Probably a good amount. But, I mean, Kanye, you know, I'm sure his catalog generates millions of dollars a year. I don't I don't know because then you got to think about the, sam- well, the samples, but... I mean, but the catalog know. is so big, it's going to... I mean, I mean, even if it's samples, it's still going to make money off of it. I mean, if if Dream can make as much money as he does off of Umbrella, and then you know Kanye producing um, the Blueprint alone is probably enough for somebody to live like a regular American life. And uh, I think 2015 was the first year in history that old music outsold new music. So catalog is very important. Okay, so all right, so pretty much all he has is his, is his catalog, and it, it does, and, and it may not exactly live up with his extravagant lifestyle. I mean, it probably does. I mean, you gotta think of how many huge radio hits that he has off College Dropout that still get played today. Thousands of probably thousands of times on thousands of radio stations across the world every day. Yeah, all right, all right, okay, but then, yeah, look at, like, his albums. All right, so My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy was, I mean, thinking about it, it was nothing more than, 
Jesus was nothing more than an extension of my beautiful dark twisted fantasy in so many ways. He kind of talks about the same shit about being th this rich man who doesn't exactly have that much money. It seems. I don't know what he was talking about on 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 uh, <laughs> on my beautiful dark twisted fantasy. I mean, but he still talked about you know like the, the, the these uh these rich problems, like um. I think uh, the, the intro, the one, I think the one that, what, Rizzo made? Yeah. You know what's ironic is that you would think that Kanye would have Raekwon on, on the one that Rizzo made, but he put him on a whole nother song. Yeah, I mean, he wanted that Rizzo beat to himself. That was, I mean, but that was a post, you know, a post Rizzo beat, man. It wasn't like a, you know, a classic Rizzo beat. That was some shit that was that was supposed to probably be on Afro Samurai. <laughs> I mean, it sounded it sounded like a RZA beat. I mean, it did, and but you know, to this day, when he said that um, Heartless was supposed like he 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 made Heartless after he tried to pattern Heartless after a RZA kind of beat. Yeah, I, I still don't see it. I do because it sounds like um, it sounds like Liquid Swords. I had to go back and listen to it. I, I've tried. I've, I've paired it with because I don't know, man. Like the Liquid Swords, though, it doesn't even. I mean, like the sonically, like the the quality of it. No, the way it's made, the way that song is made, it sounds like number one, the first track of Liquid Swords. You gotta listen to them. That dun 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 dun. Like just the way that the melody is, like. It sounds just like Liquid Swords. Because when he said it, I was taking it back too. But then I thought about it. I was like, oh yeah, it sounds like Liquid Swords. Oh, you know, because I mean, if anything, when it comes to that, I mean, that song, I always thought that maybe he was talking about, you know, Bobby Digital style type of beats. The, you know, the whole uh, Digital sym Symphony or something like that. I don't think anybody talks about that. I think people try to pretend that doesn't exist. <laughs> but I mean, like, um, uh, RZA had that beat on um, on uh, Wash Your Throne, which I think is like one of Kanye's best verses ever, if not his best verse ever. And you know, I really didn't like that that beat too much. I mean, it was cool, it was, but it was different. But I think it's it it holds up though to me. Like, I still like it. I like it more and more the more I hear it. But to me, that's a classic album. Like that album is just so well put together for the most part and all this you know like there's some truly great songs on there and like jay-z is spitting some of the best stuff that he's spit in a long time i mean he took the um what was it he took the uh, was a star spangled banner and remixed it on some hood type stuff like mm -hmm. I, like i really think they don't get enough props for the album i mean no one bought it for real, they just people just listening to uh, niggas in Paris, and you know, thinking about it, that was really over certain people's heads. I, I would say. Let's see, watch the throne sales. We want to consult good old wiki. Let's see what they have to say. Watch the throne. 
And Otis, oh my goodness, man, when that record first dropped and they had to run it back so many times on the radio just because it was just so crazy. Well, that like, was in New York, though. Yeah, I mean, they played it a lot here, too, though. I mean, but, I, I mean, I don't know, like, New York isn't what it what, what it once was. Atlanta is its own sphere, man. Like, you, uh, if you put Otis up, if Otis came out around the same time Future came out with a song, what do you think is going to, like, overcome? I mean, it, dep it depends because, I mean, Otis had that energy. I mean, I think I think Otis would cut through because, one, you have two megastars, and then you have a sound that's so different from the norm of what's going on, and they just going back-to-back -back, like no hook. Man, I'll look, man, I'll, well, I think and also... Because oh, Future... Because Future just drops so many songs, and it's like, you know, how often do you really get a Jay-Z or... Um, or a, J or a Kanye song, let alone both of them together, just on a sample, just rapping, just ripping it. That's true. But I guess going, I guess, you know, I was still in college around the time, you know, Watch the Throne came out. Mm -hmm. In my experience, try, put, try to put Watch the Throne on the entire album and, and oh, in yeah. the midst of a lot of stuff going on. It's not going to, it's not, it doesn't work. Yeah, but I mean, it's not that kind of album, though. Like, I mean, but what I'm saying is, like, also, Otis isn't either. Like, you put that shit on, like, they're like, yo, yo, like, what, what is this? They'll, they'll really say, what is this? Oh, this is the Jay-Z and Kanye album. Oh, they came out with an album? Yeah. Yeah, they, <laughs> they came out with an album. Oh, well, put Niggas in Paris on real quick. And then we should turn it off. <laughs> <laughs> and then they don't give a shit about Otis. They're like, no, nah, nah, this is annoying, like. You got you got that guy singing in the background. No, it's a sample. It's old as Redden. Who is that? It's the guy who who did sitting on the dock of the bay. Oh, I like him. So you have to explain the entire the, the whole structure of the song <laughs> before people can appreciate it. Well, at least in my experience. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, and it's funny because these are the same types of people a lot of times who say that they're music fans. They love music. Or, you know, they're in a different type of stuff. It's not the kid. They don't want to hear that shit, man. And then, like, even, like, in the, in the intro, it's like, oh, that's Frank, that's Frank Ocean? Like, yeah, this is one of the same album I just told you about. Oh, well, you should probably put on his album. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, man. They, they had some dope records on that. I was like, you know... I, th I think I think that was a, that was a great collaborative effort. I mean, yeah, I mean, like lyrically, it was. I mean, th right, there so were certain the, songs. Oh, go ahead. On Watch the Throne sold four hundred thirty-six thousand copies this first week. Well, damn, I didn't know it did that much. Yeah. But then, how many overall at this point? Uh, that's what I'm trying to see. I don't see it now. Because I was looking at Yeezus earlier, and, you know, it, it, I mean, it's technically, it's gone platinum based on, you know, album shipped or whatever like that, but technically it sold 630,000 copies. That is super, that is like selling 100,000 copies for, you know, on someone like, you know, for someone like a Kanye was. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. 
like I think it's interesting like you know for someone like Kanye West at this point is he an album oriented artist I mean I guess he is because he puts so much into him but his singles are just so big and he just has so much other you know buffoonery going on around him um like I'm thinking about somebody like Adele who just sells just millions of records for no reason or like Alicia Keys at her prime like they were like album oriented artists to where you get somebody like let's say like a Jay Electronica how Erica Badu was like you know he's not really an album type of guy or whatever he doesn't need to drop an album so it's like you know a Kanye West album sales not doing you know millions of records his first week you know and just might be the type of artist that he is I mean, well, I mean, I, I guess you have, a, I mean, he's like, I guess, more of an entertainer at this point anyway, and he just entertains just by living, <laughs> it seems, this, at this point, but, I mean, I don't know, I still think 630,000 copies, is, I mean, like, if he, I mean, shit is, like, at least went platinum, but. I missed a lot for one week. That wasn't one, that wasn't one week, he did 327. For um, for, oh, 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 Jesus. Yeah. I mean, but listen to how the album sounded. Like, wasn't nobody really checking for that. I mean, yeah, I know. I've had have one person say, "Oh, he came out with an album." I said, yeah, I've heard it for, and she was shocked. <laughs> she <laughs> she didn't know who that. She like, "Are you sure this is Kanye?" I'm like, "Yeah, that's him." I like, mean, I, I mean. <laughs> I mean, because, like, like, you know, his single was New Slaves and Black Skinheads. Like, I never heard those songs anywhere but, like, the night show. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but, I mean, I don't know. Like, if, like, as soon as you put the album on, like, on an on, on site comes on, and people are just so turned off by it. <laughs> and the thing is, you know, I, I, I understand why they are turned off by it. It's a really abrasive song. And, and it's vulgar. It's vulgar and it, just, it doesn't really make any. All those is like it's just it's a song for the sake of vulgarity, pretty much, and just like for an intro and being a hip hop artist. But at the same time, it still doesn't make any sense. I feel some times, but I think it's one of the um, it's one of my favorite songs off the album. Yeah, but I mean, you can't. I mean, I mean, you can't really consider Jesus like a Kanye West album album. Like it's it's almost like an album to the side. Like he's probably. Like, like that's one of those type of albums where somebody makes up a different name and comes out with that. Like, so kind of like Garth Brooks. You know what? That's something that I've been meaning to look into because I heard something about Garth Brooks coming out as this other guy. And like, what's the whole thing with Garth Brooks? Do you know? Yeah. So I don't know too much about him, but to make a long story short, Garth Brooks, really big country singer. He got his break. He's, I think his first album sold like 10 million copies, if not 20 million at this point, like literally. Um, and I think his third or fourth album, he decided to change his persona. So he, I forgot, the, I, oh shit, I forgot the name. But like he, like he cut his hair and it was like a, like a more darker person or whatever like that. And people were just like kind of like upset about it. They didn't, some people didn't know like it was actually him. 
And to this day, it's like something that people in pop culture just kind of like poke, like poke fun at. But even still, I think I still think that album even sold more than Yeezus. <laughs> but then even after that, he still drops like whenever he drops something, it just sells records. Like he's, I think he's had like a, like certain like albums, no single, no nothing. It still like eventually goes platinum over time. Like like when people actually just buying the damn the damn album. Yeah. But I, mean, I guess he's like one of those people. Like he's like like an enigma. Like you know, you just have like those certain people. Like whatever they do, they just keep selling records for no reason. Yeah, but country music is a whole nother beast, you know. Well, that's true. I mean, dealing with people who you know they they still buying CD. I mean, country music is is so big. Like you got these people selling out stadiums, having their own TV channel and award shows, like segregated from the general music community almost like gospel music is but it's just so huge <laughs> well you know what for i mean being in oklahoma i understand why it is that way because mm. you know like dealing with people uh, i mean i don't know but that's the thing and i guess in a way i'm kind of stereotyping oklahoma but i don't, I don't mean that but like you know i guess dealing with like the stereotypical person that that you like deem as white trash or just like being in certain classrooms and they kind of talk about how people, you know, like they, they, they talk down to them or they just think the worst about them and stuff like that. But how they listen to country music and all these other types of things. So at least the way I take it in a lot in a lot of instances, like people like who are like of that culture, of like, you know, I guess having like a pickup truck and whatever else. They feel like it's them against the world. Hmm. And it's because of like you know like the like that whole right I guess white trash redneck stereotype that people just throw on them. Uh. Um. So I mean I I mean I I think I, I I understand the whole concept of country music and everything like that. I mean I guess um, it's that same feeling of you know what I imagine it's like being in a flyover state, like just mm. being like just being ignored. I was about to uh, I was about to say something about that too, but I said no, never mind. So I don't know if I should say this. <laughs> uh, all right, so all right, I think I think I forgot a way a way to, to put it until after we get off air. I just found out what a flyover state was two days ago. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, I I know someone. Um, who's really, really entrenched in the whole culture of the American West. Mm -hmm. His father was a farmer. I think he was raised on a farm and everything like that. So he's really dedicated to it. Um, so there's this, I think the guy, Jason Aldean, he made a song called Flyover State or something like that. Or he had a song about flyover states. I know who and, he is. Okay. And so apparently um, this person, he played the song for, you know, certain people at a certain program um, that he was doing. And he started crying after the song went off or something like that. And he was talking about how proud he is to live in a flyover state and how people just don't understand, you know, certain cultures and other, other things like that. And how people just look down at, you know, these states. But there's like a lot of rich culture in him and he started like crying just breaking down crying as he was like telling these people this and like in this professional setting mm. I mean so, it's real 
Yeah, but then when I when I heard about that, I said in my head, I'm like, I gotta I gotta get the fuck out of here because I just I just can't relate to it. You know, I can't relate to the prairie being on the open range and shit, and you know, tornadoes, man. I, I need concrete. I need concrete. I need gun smoke. I need <laughs> I need um um you know rats. I need sewers and shit. Junkies. Yeah, man. I mean, I can. I mean. I mean, like, I feel, I feel, I feel a certain kinship with them because, you know, they're the forgotten about of America in a sense. Um, people look down on them. They, we, you know, they thought of, of hicks and rednecks and hillbillies and and Brit- I mean, we think of all the stereotypes of people in certain states, like even, even like a place like Ohio or something like that. I mean, just it's. It, it's really bad, and it's almost like how people think about black people. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean, it really, it really is. But then I guess it doesn't really help that the same people who look down on them, they look, they, they look down on us a lot of times. So yeah. after a while, I'm like, well, whatever. But <laughs> um, and then like, and like with the whole thing with the you know the the Bundy Ranch thing that's going on and all that, like yeah, you know, some of these people really are getting you know dicked over by the federal government, and like. Because of the stereotypes of them, you know, some of their legitimate concerns aren't being heard and they're made to look, you know, they're made to be seen as like ridiculous buffoons. But like when you look at even people like the Duck Dynasty people, like, you know, some of those people are really smart. You're not going to make it and not be really smart and be able to hold all that together. I mean, well, I mean, it's the same thing thing with drug dealers man like all these i mean there's no way you can make a like a an illegal empire making a million dollars a week without not you know not being smart yeah there's no way and like you know those, those types of people out there you know when the emp does hit and knocks all this stuff out like how we were talking about earlier you know they're more suited to that type of lifestyle so i've i've always been like i either need to go out there and you know, start a farm or something like that and learn how to work the land or I need to just make some friends with some of the people. So I know I'm good when either the sun has a, a corneal ejection or, you know, however you say it, or when they drop some type of nuclear thing or the aliens come and knock out all the power. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It's... I, I don't know. You know, like how people say that you know, like living in an urban area, just like in this in this new setting, that he, um, is really complicated. Hold on, hold on. Yeah, I'm breaking up. Can you hear me now? Yeah, yeah. He said people say that living in an urban setting is really complicated. Yeah, I mean, you know, like it's kind of like like a like that stereotype that you know we live these complicated lives now, so we need to go back and live sim- simple lives. I mean, to me. It's only more complicated in certain aspects. I mean, well, well, my my point is that you know, if you look into like you know, environmental history and all these other types of weird things, farm life is just as complicated as any kind of other. I mean, it's, I don't think there's any difference in certain in certain respects. Yeah. I mean, because you know, like if let's say if you don't get like the amount of rainfall. Mm-hmm. It, it fucks your shit up. 
the same as if you know if if you if you're out if you're without power, it fucks you up too. Or I mean, I mean well, I, that's probably not like the best similarity. But there are certain like similarities you can draw. Like if you, if you really live like a simple life like that. I mean, but I do think, I do think, there are certain things that are more complicated in city life, like certain social types of things that you have to know, like. You know, I guess, and, and this is my ignorance that, you know, you know, stereotypical or like type of rant or, you know, my type of thinking on it. But, you know, when you're living on a farm, it's real simple. Somebody comes on your property and you shoot them versus when you're in the city walking in the street, you have to size up people's mannerisms and their movements and their facial expressions, listen to the tone that they're speaking in and how they're saying it. Look out for somebody trying to pick your pocket, people trying to get over on you and swindle you. Um, you know, you got to make sure your your ID hasn't expired. You got to make sure your credit card hasn't expired. You got to make sure your direct deposit is right. You know, it's like all these different little things that you're just constantly trying to control or cer certain things that you might not really have any control over that really are just abstract concepts. Whereas, I guess more so when you're, you know, working the land, it's it's very concrete, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, all right, well... And, and I guess it makes, you know, more sense logically. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the type of way that we live. Well, I learned... I learned some things about th 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 this kind of lifestyle, and to me, you know, when I was asking, you know, my friend questions about it, you know, he he was trying to explain it to me, but I, I just still didn't understand it. Mm -hmm. So, for example, we drove up, like you know, we um, specifically we drove up on someone's farmland, and someone came after us. <laughs> and they were probably going to shoot us. Um, but we knew that was farmland, so we so we, so we continue driving on a dirt road. We go deeper on this dirt road, and you know the drive. You know, our friend he didn't know where, where he where he was where he was really going. He hasn't he didn't he he's never he's never been to the place before. His first time really going and driving along the roads. So we were driving, you know, and then after a while, he realizes that we're on someone's personal property. So he had to hurry up and try to get the fuck out before someone came and shot us. And so I'm like, all right, how, do, but how, how, but I said, how, how do you know, how do you know this is someone's land? He says, he was, he was like, you know, technically there really isn't like a boundary that, you know, that we can tell, but you just kind of know it when you, you just, you just know it, you just know that this is someone's land. So technically he didn't truly know if it was someone's land or not, but he just knew it was. Yeah. I guess usually you know, people who are in those areas are so entrenched in those areas for hundreds of years. Yeah, they, where, they, just, they just know, yeah. Yeah, and like, you know, you as an outsider, you ain't supposed to be around there. It's like, you know, coming to, you know, you know, coming to the wrong hood. Like, what you doing around here? Yeah, that's true. And then we go into this other part, and it was, it, it was, it was land, but it was like a, um, I guess like a ranch, but it was like a, how can I put it? It was like like a, it was like a ranch that had like infrastructure, like something that that you had to like enter into. You you couldn't just like drive on it. Mm -hmm. If that makes any sense. So, 
we're driving into it, and, and once again, it took him a while to realize that it was someone's personal property. So he had to back up. And he's like, oh, man, yeah, we got to get the, he was like, we got to get the hell out of here before someone else comes after us or something like that. And so he starts backing up. But then he says, well, you know what? Well, we only got to like 15 feet or whatever he said. So we're good. And I'm like, what does that mean? And he's like, all right, well, technically, when you're in, when you're like in the spot like this, you are allowed 15 feet into the property um, before someone can shoot you or something like that. So if you go, at all, if you go over 15 feet, then the person can shoot you. I'm like, okay. I said, this really doesn't make any sense. I said, first of all, the last piece of land we were on, you really couldn't tell if it was land. Now you're telling me that if you're 15 feet and someone, if you go over 15 feet, they can shoot you. I'm like, well, how do they know if it's 15 feet or not? Like, you know, like what are the boundaries? And this is something that I've always had an, had an interest in. Like, you know, if you're driving to Baltimore and you see the Welcome to Baltimore sign. I think we talked about this before on the podcast. Do you, I mean, are you officially in Baltimore after you go past the sign or is it sometime, somewhere before you, you even get to the sign? Like, when are you in Baltimore when you see that sign? That's a good, that's a good question. And I think it just really depends on what it actually is on the map. And the sign doesn't really have that much bearing over the specific point. Well, yeah, like, well, I, I, I asked um, my government, we call it my uh, my civics teacher in high school this a long time ago, and he, he, he told me that um, the signs, like you said, the, the signs don't mean anything. He says that, you know, like, they are surveyors, so, like, it, it's, a, like, officially surveyed, um, you know, like, there, there's, like, a specific line that I guess the government would know that will let them know when you get over into another like another city and i'm like well why won't they just line the sign up <laughs> along the line that is surveyed and or like to say something like a like a special like survey line that says you know this line going past this this thing right here means that you are officially in baltimore i think that i think it should be that way if they want to make everything so rigid yeah i mean it's interesting, like, when you deal with personal property, there's um, different ways that they do it. Because, you know, I've known people that have had disputes over, like, like a parking space or whatever. Like, you know, maybe you might share a driveway. Mm -hmm. And so they have to measure out a certain amount of space from their house to figure out exactly where the line is and stuff like that. It's just real interesting. But I don't know. It's only totally um, complicated, though, man. I feel. Yeah. I mean, you know, this is all about land. I mean, this 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 existence that we're in is all about land owning. You know, this country was based on the pursuit of uh, what was it? Peace, happiness, and the pursuit of land. What was it? <laughs> uh, the pursuit of happiness. I I forget the other parts. Yeah, but 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 actually, it wasn't the pursuit of happiness. It was the pursuit of land. But then they changed it to happiness. Mm. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of land. That's what it was, I believe. And then and then they changed it to happiness. Yeah, let me just let me just verify that. <laughs> well, I imagine uh, Franklin probably probably did that because I think Franklin. Um, Read, like he he went over the edits of the original draft, I think. 
it was Jefferson changed it. It was property. It was life, oh. liberty, and the pursuit of property. Okay. And that was written by John Locke, and then Jefferson changed it. Well, I mean, well, you, oh, wait, you, you mean the concept came from John Locke, but then Jefferson edited his own thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, Jefferson, and, you know, you have the whole concept of uh, the Jeffersonian democracy, and I'm getting into that now with, the, you know, these all these weird, you know, this weird land ownership and how it's evolved over time with uh, squatters' rights and and whatnot. But, I don't know, the whole thing about you have 15 feet before you can get shot, I'm like, but you're still on someone's property, though, so can't they just shoot you? Technically, you say, well, no, because, you know, you're not, it's not 15 feet yet. And I'm like, well, we just went on someone's property, and you said as soon as you go on that type of property, you can shoot somebody. So, I don't know. I, I feel like if you're trying to deal with, with what kind of property you can go on, <laughs> I think that's the same as, you know, trying to figure out how to size people up and what they're going to do to you. <laughs> I, think, I think it's the same. I think the same rules kind of apply. Yeah. Because maybe. Huh? I, was, I think that's the episode title right there, over 15 feet, and you can get shot. <laughs> And maybe, and I, I guess in closing, you know, maybe with the, the people driving toward us, maybe they weren't going to shoot us. Maybe they were, they were going to ask, like, what are you doing over here before they shot us? Maybe they were going to offer you some apple pie or, or see if you needed some assistance. Maybe, but they had a lot of cows, so they probably thought we were going to take some of the cows. We had, it was a large pickup truck. Uh -oh. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Coming, uh, growing up in Baltimore, did you ever think that uh, this type of thing would be a concern for you? I mean, hell no, man. Like, wherever, wherever I've gone, I've, I've just been around a whole bunch of farmland, you know. It was a culture shock when I, when I went to the Eastern Shore of Maryland. Although I've been there before, but just being out on the prairie, on a farm pretty much, where, you know, the school makes their own eggs and shit. Do you ever um, see yourself as owning some land and growing your own food and all that on some immortal technique type stuff? Um, I mean, yes and no. Maybe it will be like a, a piece of fun, like a, a piece of like land that I wouldn't like exactly live on. Mm. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, I want to like I want to grow my own tobacco. I want to do that. I know, and like in deal. And the government uh, going to shut you down. Growing <laughs> <laughs> my own tobacco? Yeah. Well, I mean, well, I mean, I looked into the law. There's a certain amount you can grow that, that that's technically legal. You just can't sell it. Okay. So, I guess it all depends on how we go about doing it. Yeah. But, yeah, man, I got to I gotta rule up out of here, so... Let's bring this to a wrap. Thank you for checking out Channel 10 Podcast. We're going to hit you with new materials and everything. We're trying to get our lives situated. So we do apologize for the hiatus, but hit us up, Channel 10 Podcast, gmail.com, channel10podcast.com, Twitter, SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, all of that. Um, Feeling this here. And yeah, we out. Peace. Gotta do it, yo. Yeah, yo, roll up, man. It's a different channel, son. Roll up, on, man. Roll up, watch the channel, son. Different plane now, man. It's all good. Roll up, all good, baby, in every hood, son. 
What up, yeah? CNN, Network Channel 10. It's on again. Street niggas is grown men. Bold face, get in your face. Stay in place, yo. Crime lace. Cast more beef than Scarface. CNN, Network Channel 10. It's on again. Street niggas is grown men. Bold face, get in your face. Stay in place, yo. Crime lace. Cast more beef than Scarface.